Would you extend the hand of blessing out to Dave as he prepares to bring us a message? Lord God, thank you so much for Dave and just being uh, somebody who's uh, prepared his heart and prepared this message for us. And Lord, uh, we we know that uh, as an elder, God, uh, you put a, a lot of things um, really on his heart, concern and care to shepherd and, and look out for our church. We thank you, God, that uh, you've called this man uh, to really look out for us. And Lord, we ask that you would bless him today. Fill him, Holy Spirit, as he brings us this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Max. I went in the Camino de Santiago, at least a portion of it, and uh, it has very nostalgic, uh, good memories for me. So in the same way, I think this series will be uh, our own journey, um, and we'll go through that together this morning. So let me just start off by saying last month, uh, I was... I was in a, um, our 2005 Toyota Highlander, and the air conditioner was blaring, okay, and it was this hot summer day, and Raps Hawaii was playing on my, in my car. <laughs> Tells you a little bit about who I am. Um, and I was driving some friends of ours, the, the Seuss, right? Uh, and we were going from our beach house in Mokalaia to Shark's Cove to do some snorkeling. And we'd done it many, many times before. And, but on this particular day, I took a wrong turn, <laughs> and, uh, and because my, my navigator, Cheryl, told me to. Uh, <laughs> see what happens when you have the mic? No. And um, we ended up going, uh, like, actually headed towards Wailua, <laughs> and uh, far from the road to Shark's Cove uh, on the North Shore. So we decided to backtrack, uh, got back on the correct path we needed to get to Shark's Cove. Uh, it was about a 10-minute detour, okay? <laughs> And by the time we got there, the other two cars with our friends were already there, parked, going, where did you guys go, man? And, of course, uh, it was the, the common saying, well, scenic route, you know, scenic route. Um, but what's the point here, right? Uh, Cheryl's a bad navigator? No, 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 that's not what it's about. But um, it was really to illustrate one very important principle, and that is that the road or the path that you're on determines where you're going to end up right? The road you're on will determine where you're going to end up. And there's really no way if you continue down the road towards Wailua that you're going to get to Shark's Cove, okay? Uh, there's no way that if you decided to take the H3, you're going to end up in Kahala, okay? And there's no way if you, if you were on Pekoi, you're going to get here this morning, okay? The point is, whatever road you're on is going to determine where you're going to end up. And, and it seems very simple, kind of basic, uh, but the book of Proverbs and the wisdom that we, we glean from this book basically reinforces that message over and over again. And that, that's what this series is about. It's about that path that you're on. Your direction, right? It, it's not only your good intentions, but the direction will determine your destination. And so as we go through the book of Proverbs this morning, uh, this is a book of wisdom, right? And, and it was written mostly by King Solomon. And, and Solomon is regarded by many who was the wisest man who ever lived, right? And it's this wisdom that we find in the Word of God, and, and particularly to, in this series uh, on the book of Proverbs, that will guide our actions, that will bring our best intentions into fruition. See, we shouldn't feel uh, that we have to even navigate life alone, quite frankly. That, that's why we have the Lord. That's why we have the book. Uh, and that's why we follow along. So 
Another true story uh, to illustrate this message of this path that we're on is, uh, many of you know my wife, Tammy, but do you know what her favorite movie of all time is, right? When Harry Met Sally, okay? <laughs> she, she, she's, I can't even tell you how many times she's watched this movie ever since I met her. Now, if you remember the movie, it's a story about two people who, uh, whose lives intersect over many, many years. And they, they start out as friends of friends, uh, where they share a ride from Chicago to New York. And then occasionally they start bumping into each other uh, at a bookstore, on the airplane. You know, they have other relationships. They're married to other people. Um, but eventually they become good friends. And eventually they romantically uh, fall in love. And, and then uh, I'll spoil the movie for you. But they end up together at the end of the movie. Very mushy chick flick, okay? Um, but one of the things that that movie illustrates to me, uh, and, and as I was thinking about this message, is that when you spend time with someone, you build intimacy. And that intimacy is a pathway to a relationship, right? And on one level, it's super romantic, right? You, you watch When Harry Met Sally and you go, oh, right? And if you're wondering how to improve your marriage, uh, you can work backwards by, I think, focusing on what would create, create intimacy in your marriage. And intimacy is created by spending time with each other and it, it, with just the two of you. And sometimes I think we forget that, especially if you're, you're someone who has kids, right? Young kids. And it can cut both ways too, right? And if you're, mar- if you're married, you also, I think, I'd be very mindful of... Uh, if you start to build intimacy with someone who's not your spouse. And, and what starts out as something that could be just friends can actually lead down a path of something covert, right? And it's, it's like the boiling frog thing that people talk about too, right? So the boiling frog is that if you had a boiling, if you had a, a, a boiled a pot of hot water and you threw the frog inside, presuming like if the pot's not tall enough, the frog would jump out, it's too hot, right? But if you put the frog in a pot of just water and you slowly turn up the heat, you're going to end up with a boiled frog. <laughs> and in, in the same way, I think it, it, the intimacy follows that same path where uh, it, it, it starts where it can be very benign with good intentions. Uh, and then over time, it can end up causing the death of, of your life as you know it. And this is why I, I think I've said this before. I have a personal rule that I follow that I say, I will not have lunch with someone of the opposite sex on a frequent basis. And these are, you know, I have friends, friends who are women, but it's just something that um, I, I just know, because I, I, I'm aware of, that as long as there's intimacy that can be developed, it can lead down a path that um, I, I don't want it to go. And it's because I'm mindful of that intimacy that it can create is why I have that rule. And so you'll see that in this series, uh, what we're talking about is wisdom starts with recognizing that the decisions we make lead to pathways. And these pathways will lead to destinations. Inevitably, we'll head down to a destination that you may or may not desire. So decisions, we talk about intimacy. It's a pathway. It could be your spending habits. That's a pathway it could be the language we choose to communicate with our children when we're raising them. That's a pathway. Uh, these are all pathways that lead to somewhere. And, and that's what we're going to learn about in Proverbs. 
So that's the context for the passage we have this morning. And if you would turn to, with me with, uh, to Proverbs chapter 7, uh, we're going to go through this and kick off the series today. In, in Proverbs chapter 7, <clears throat> we start in verse 6, uh, where Solomon tells a story where he's going to illustrate this principle of the pathway. And it goes like this. So Solomon is, is talking about, we don't know if this is a true story or not, but we're, 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 we're reading a, story, a situation where he says, at the window of my house, this is Solomon talking, right? I looked down through the lattice, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. So it's a young man who has no sense, Solomon says, and was going to meet a woman for a, uh, shall we say, a less than morally upright encounter with this married woman. And we're told earlier that this is an adulterous woman and that this young man was following a path that would lead down a destination, to a destination he would later regret. And to the young man, this was probably a one-time event for a night of fun, right? And however, wisdom teaches us that this, like every decision we make, leads us down a path. And it's not an isolated event. Rather, it's a step down a path that leads us somewhere. And so the story continues in verse 10. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. Wow. You, you can feel the drama unfolding, right, in, in, in that section. It's just past dusk, right? The night is young. The, the woman is lurking, <laughs> he says, looking for someone to cross her path and fulfill the desires of her flesh, right? And then it happens in verse 13. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face she said, Today I fulfilled my vows, and I have, fo- I have food from my fellowship offering at home, so I came out to meet you, I looked for you, and have found you. Now, what she's saying by, I have food for my fellowship offering at home, is, I'm not a prostitute, young man. You know, I'm not after your money. I have enough of it at home. I want you. And then in saying that she's fulfilled her vows, I think she's implying that she went to the temple earlier in that day to absolve herself of her sins, and she's going to start fresh, right? So you see how crafty this sounds. And she's trying to justify and, and make her desires sound okay. But isn't that how sin is, right? It's insidiously, it tricks us to think, ah, you know, it's, it's not that bad. It's innocent or, or it's, I'm just human. It's just once or uh, I, I can clean my sin up tomorrow. No worries. And then if you, if you go further in, in verse 16, it, it's like going for the clothes, right? I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed, my mirror, my aloes, my cinnamon. Come, let us drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. She's like, man, she, she's right up in his face right now. And make no mistake what she's looking for, right? And like a, like a sort of infomercial <laughs> that kind of entices you to get past that final fear. You're like, oh, take my credit card, right? Any misgivings you may have. In verse 19, this is this what seals the deal, right? She goes, my husband's not at home. He has gone on a long journey. 
He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. Done deal. Young man, no risk of being caught, no consequences. In fact, hang out for a while, young man, and I'll include breakfast too. (laughs) It's all yours for the taking, right? Have an amazing time philandering with this exciting, adventurous woman who wants you. What a good deal, he's thinking. But Solomon offers us a quite of a different perspective in verse 21. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. Like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. Like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. See, Solomon says that the young man who at face value probably thinks he's the luckiest man alive at the moment. He's going to, to run into this situation. We'll find like he's an ox going into the slaughter. Like the deer, right? Stepping into a noose and a bird darting into a snare. It's going to cost him his life. And what appears to be this once in a lifetime event, uh, Solomon is saying it's going to cost this young man his life. And in, and in verse 24, Solomon says to us, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her sling are a mighty throng. And I think what Solomon is saying here is, first of all, young man, you're not the first and you're not so special. This isn't some unique connection you have with this woman. There are going to be many victims who have gone down this path. And for emphasis in 27, he says, Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. A highway, right, we know is a wide path. And in choosing his words wisely, Solomon to me is saying, there's going to be many who travel down this same highway to the grave. Young men who will choose a path to a destination they didn't intend. They will see their decisions as short-term, but... It really, we can call this the trap of instant gratification, right, in our society. When we make decisions based only on the outcomes that we see here and now, we are ignoring the pathways that these decisions create in the long run. So I'm sure you recognize by now that Solomon isn't just talking about adultery, I believe. He's talking about just choices in general that we make in in our lives. He's talking about the path we choose every time we make a decision, and good intentions are not enough. Our destination is determined by the direction we take. And the direction we take is determined by the decisions we make every single day. See, the adulterous woman to me represents those things in our society that lure us away from God's best. There are so many temptations, so much so that even in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus himself taught us to pray, in the Lord's Prayer it says, lead us not into temptation, right? It's all around us, and the sordid outcomes that follow are all around us. See, too often I think people, all of us, arrive at a destination we didn't intend because of the decisions that we're making for just the here and now. 
See, we often see these stories of these powerful public figures, even, who uh, are brought down by some immoral act, right? An unwise decision that they might have made uh, and a series of behaviors that took them down to, to ultimately to their demise. And for regular people, though, like you and me, um, it can look like any of the following, this list here, right? A single woman who says, I want to meet one day and marry a great Christian guy who's really got his act together. But then she dates whoever asks her out as long as he's cute. Or maybe the single guy who says, I want a great sex life once I'm married. So I'm going to practice with every girl I meet until then. Or maybe it's the married woman who says, I want to have a great relationship with my husband, but she makes her children her priority. A husband says, I want my kids to respect me as they grow up. And then he openly flirts with all the women in the neighborhood. Or a young Christian who says, I want to develop a deep and lasting intimacy with God. And then he gets up every morning and just reads the newspaper. Or a working man who says, I want to grow old and invest the latter years of my life with my grandchildren. But then he neglects his health. Or a regular guy who says, I want to get thin and lose weight. But can you supersize that for me? Or a couple who says, We'd like our children to develop a personal relationship with God, to choose friends uh, who have done the same. But then they skip church every weekend. They head to the beach. They, they, They sleep in and they go watch football. Or the newlyweds who determine that they're going to be financially secure by the time uh, they reach their parents' age. And then they adopt a lifestyle sustained by debt. Or it could be the high school freshman who intends to graduate with a GPA that will give them, uh, afford them the options to select any college that they want, but neglect their studies. See, the list could go on and on, right? The point is, we all have good, noble uh, goals for our lives with great intentions of achieving them. But like that young man, the good intentions alone are insufficient. We've got to let wisdom be our guide and guide us to the long-term view so that the good decisions we set today will put us on a path and a destination to get the life we truly desire. And if you want to find that ideal future spouse and you're somebody here today, don't spend your time judging and criticizing the people you meet. Spend the time on yourself being the ideal spouse. If you want a, uh, if you want a healthy, meaningful marriage, You don't prioritize the kids. Rather, you focus on building intimacy with each other and spending time as husband and wife without the kids. See, the decisions we make and are already making have us already down some path. It's a financial path of some sort. It's a path of some relationships. It's a path of how we're just living our life. And and what this series is about and what Proverbs is about is that wisdom keeps us focused on what's important long-term. See, a couple years ago, you you may recall, right, I walked 127 miles of the Camino de Santiago. And this was as much a spiritual path as it was a physical one. See, it's an analogy to me of life itself. Each step 
that I took physically was also a step I took spiritually. And it was crystal clear to me what my destination was every day. I could have easily taken a, a sidetrack, you know, taken, done, gone on a side road to do some sightseeing. There are lots to see, right? I, I could have gone some, to some popular cafe or some archaeological dig along the Camino. I mean, there's a lot of that. But my objective was really, really simple. And that was to get to Santiago and to tune in to God's voice. And I think that's the same way with our life. There are so many distractions along the path in our life that it's easy for us to forget our destination. But at the end of the day, I think we're, we're responsible for those choices that we make along the path. It's abundantly clear to me that the more and more our society promotes individual liberty, which in itself is a good thing, right? The more we need to guard and make sure we have God's wisdom and not our own wisdom. Left alone, I think we will make bad decisions, but we aim to minimize those decisions with God's wisdom. You can ask Tammy. Every so often, I'll go to a restaurant and order the clam linguine off the menu. Okay? And every time clam linguine arrives, I'm very disappointed because it's too fishy. I don't like clams. <laughs> so why do I keep ordering clam linguine? <laughs> And Tam always finds it super amusing, you know. And inevitably, this is what happens. I ask her, hey, how come you let me order clam linguine again? And, and, and why didn't you stop me, Tam? But I think, you know, that's the same way we treat God, right? We, 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 not, we deal with the consequences of our decisions, and then we go, God, why did you let this happen to me? You see, nothing... Tammy could have done would have prevented me from ordering clam linguine. <laughs> and in the same way, I believe God, in his love, doesn't stop us uh, from ordering the clam linguines in our lives. He wants to, but in his love for us, he gives us the freedom to make the wrong choices. But we've got to learn to take responsibility and the accountability for those choices. So the key then to me is today... Reflect on the path you're on. Because the choices you're, you're making with your relationships, think about your spouse or your significant other or your children, your parents, your friends, your coworkers. I mean, reflect on that. What path are you on relationally today? And financially, what path are you on? Do, do your spending habits reflect God's provision in your life? Morally, you know, how are you prioritizing God's will for your life? How deliberate are you in seeking to know God's will? How effective have you been in being salt and light where God has placed you? Do people out there, outside this four walls of KCF, even know that you're a Christian? How will they know? How then do you start to treat your life as a path? And a path, as, as, as Solomon shows us, is comprised of a series of steps that make up the decisions, that are made up of the decisions that we make. It starts first with recognizing that our decisions take us down a path to a destination and that these decisions aren't just these one-off events. 
Are you heading down the wrong path now? If so, it's not too late. You can turn around and course correct. To ensure that you find and stay on God's best path for your life, it's super important that you surround yourself with godly people you, you trust and respect. And you know these people because they're the ones who read the Bible regularly. They're the ones who are engaged in the body of Christ. They're the ones who try their best to humbly live out a life that reflects Christ. And no one's perfect. But I'll tell you, if you look for humility and submissiveness to God's word, you'll find these people. And the hint is you'll also find them often in small groups here at KCF. You'll also uh, tell yourself, read the Bible. You can start with the book of Proverbs, like Pastor Mark talked about. It's got 31 chapters. And so, you know, if today is the fifth, just start with Proverbs 5. And go on from there. See, there's no substitute for God's word. There's no cliff notes, per se, to the Bible. See, I really don't think it's enough to just come once a week to listen to the sermon, get your dose of God, and then go on the week. I really don't. I really think that we each got to get more into the word of God, me included. Me included. So, you know, in summary, today, this is not supposed to be a condemnation message, Okay. And we've all gone the wrong, down the wrong path, you know, one, two, three, ten or more times in our lives. And we might be on a wrong path right now. And some of us might be thinking, you know, I'm not sure how to get off the wrong path. I'm not sure how to find the right path. And, and that is where Jesus comes in. See, maybe you've been feeling this week that you just need a new job. <laughs> maybe you're unhappy at work or maybe you hate your job even, right? You're not quite sure why. Or, or maybe your marriage feels strained and you're thinking, oh man, the spark is gone. The daily grind is suffocating the love maybe you had for each other once upon a time. Maybe taking care of the kids has just sucked the life out of you and your marriage. The kids and their activities maybe have become your priority and your family's free time is built around kids' activities. Maybe you've come to hate that credit card bill that, come, that seems to always arrive too soon and that outstanding balance doesn't seem to get any smaller. Maybe you're single and wondering if there ever will be the one who's out there that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Whatever your relational, your financial, your moral path that you're on, I believe Jesus wants to meet you there today. And not only does he want to meet you there, I think he wants to carry you. He wants to carry you to a good path. He wants, you to, he wants to take you to a new path with a destination that is going to bless you, that's going to bless your family, that's going to fill you with these rich relationships, a meaningful life, and one filled with love. And if that's someone, if you're someone here today who wants that, uh, I, I want to invite you this morning to invite Jesus into your life. So would you, would you stand with me and and we're going to bow our heads, and I want, to, I, want to, I want us to close our eyes today as you bow your heads. Because, um, and, and you can reflect on everything that um, I've been sharing this morning, but with, your, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you this morning that if you're someone who wants a new path in your life,
and you want to invite Jesus into your life to take you on a new path, I would say just between you and Jesus right now, I want to invite you to go ahead and just raise your hand if that is you this morning. Now, if you want a new path, thanks. And, 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 and this act of raising your hand is really to say, me, God, I invite you by my small act of raising my hand, I want you, Jesus, to meet me where I am. Please, Jesus, carry me to a new path with a destination that is your best for me and my family. And put your hands down. Because if that was you this morning who raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. To say, dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I'm on a path I don't like and I, I want to turn around and get on a better path. I invite you, Jesus, to be my Lord to take over my life, to carry me to a new path that you've prepared for me and my family, a better path that you promise for me. Amen. If you prayed that this morning, I have one important step for you this morning, okay? Tell somebody. Tell me, come forward, tell me now, after, you know, in the break, whatever. Tell Pastor Max or Pastor Sonny. You got to tell somebody. Because as we talked about, wisdom starts with surrounding yourself with godly people. And we take that super seriously. And so when you tell one of us, we're going to help you surround yourself with these godly people who can infuse your life with godly wisdom. Amen. So this is going to be, a, I think, a, an important series for us. Uh, we're a little bit more than halfway through the year and it's about the time like Max is talking about, you kind of get tired and you're getting kind of bust up <laughs> and we're going to need God's wisdom to take us down a new path. Amen.